Welcome to our podcast on A Course in Miracles and Spotify has changed some rules so these podcasts won't have a nice little music trailer before and after. They're just, we're getting right into it raw and that's just the way it has to be because it used to be a different platform and Spotify bought it and they changed the rules. So oh, really? they changed the, the things. So okay. I can't put that trailer on there anymore. All right. Anyhow, but we are invoking the Divine Mother in this uh, podcast on the gifts of God. And this is ode number 91, Home of Your Care. Home of your care. Home of your care, O Mother, is this womb of a universe which is endless. I am your sacred expression in the essential dance to reveal yourself. I am the child immortal who takes shape from the spark of the Father joined with your egg of pure potential to manifest physical form. Let me place all my awareness on this movement of the divine that is my destiny. All from the sacred plan you have in your infinite mind, the actions of my life are energized and given strength to fulfill your extension of absolute love. Take me to your royal realms higher and higher, to the court of my kingly domain, to the halls that are filled with the masters of divine service. Take from me all selfish desires that keep me separated for the tiniest moment from my true purpose. Divine Mother of my life, help me to surrender more and more to love. Remove all impurities from my heart and mind. In the home of your care, let confidence enter me like a pulse of creation that beats its beatitudes with certainty as love envelops me completely. You can do anything, my mother, at my asking. Let all souls I touch be released from doubt. Let all souls I touch know the joy of your love through my own certain expressions of inspiration. Let all souls I touch be liberated from the belief in death as I go strong in my acceptance of your boon of immortality. Wow, good, very good. What number was that? 91. 91. Okay, so the next... uh, section that we're studying here is section number seven in chapter two and it's called simply cause and effect okay cause and effect so we did fear and conflict now we're doing cause and effect yeah cause and effect You may still complain about fear, but you nevertheless persist in making yourself fearful. 
That's amazing. I have already indicated that you cannot ask me to release you from fear. I know it does not exist, but you do not. If I intervened between your thoughts, intervened. If I, oh yeah, if I intervened between your thoughts and their results, I would be tampering with the basic law of cause and effect, the most fundamental law there is. Yeah. So you know when we say all thought produces form, or your thoughts create results, that's what he's talking about. That's mm. that's a fundamental law of creation that thought produces something. Hmm. And if he interf- if he interfered with your thoughts that are causing you fear, he would be interfering with your basic uh, free will to create anything. Okay. So it's you who are creating the fear or making up the fear. The fear doesn't exist in reality and he doesn't have fear but you've made it up and you have to undo it. It's your it's your responsibility to undo the fear. I would hardly help you if I depreciated the power of your own thinking. This would be in direct opposition to the purpose of this course. It is much more helpful to remind you that you do not guard your thoughts carefully enough. You may feel that at this point it would take a miracle to enable you to do this, which is perfectly true. You are not used to miracle-minded thinking, but you can be trained to think that way. All miracle workers need that kind of training. Okay, so the training, and we've all been through somewhat of a training because we've done the workbook lessons 365 to get this far, all right, so that is like being aware of your mind and what's in your mind and what you're thinking with your mind. So that's the training he's talking about. And uh, all the lessons of the workbook uh, should be in our mind by now. So so we're, we're training our mind along those lines to be... Um, miracle conscious, you know, miracle minded. I cannot let you leave your mind unguarded or you will not be able to help me. Interesting. Miracle working entails a full realization of the power of thought in order to avoid miscreation. Otherwise, a miracle will be necessary to set the mind itself straight, a circular process that would not foster the time collapse for which the miracle was intended. The miracle worker must have genuine respect for true cause and effect as a necessary condition for the miracle to occur. Okay, and the true cause and effect is that your thoughts produce results. Mm. And that, that is always so. If you have an angry thought, it's going to produce an uh, angry result. If you have a loving thought, a joyful thought, it's going to produce a joyful result. And you're, you're the ruler of those thoughts, you know? It's like, um, what's the lesson? 2, 2, 36. 
Lesson 236 is I rule my mind which I alone must rule. Okay, that's lesson 236. And he's saying the exact same thing there. You have dominion over your thoughts and you're the ruler of your thoughts. And you have to decide which kind of thoughts you're gonna think. Are you gonna think with the ego or are you gonna think with the Christ? You, you only have two choices here. And if you're not thinking with the Christ, then guess what? You are thinking with the ego. Both miracles and fear come from thoughts. If you are not free to choose one, you would also not be free to choose the other. By choosing the miracle, you have rejected fear, if only temporarily. You have been fearful of everyone and everything. You are afraid of God, of me, and of yourself. Oh my God, that's really something. You are afraid of God, me, and of yourself. You have misperceived or miscreated us, capital U.S., and believe in what you have made. You would not have done this if you were not afraid of your own thoughts. The fearful must miscreate because they misperceive creation. When you miscreate, you are in pain. The cause and effect principle now becomes a real expeditor. Expediter. Expediter, sorry. Though only temporarily. Actually, cause, quote, is a term properly belonging to God and his effect is his son. This entails a set of cause and effect relationships totally different from those you introduce into miscreation. The fundamental conflict in this world, then, is between creation and miscreation. All, yeah. all fear is implicit in the second and all love in the first. Okay, this so... This conflict is therefore one between love and fear. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Between love and fear and between the Christ and the ego. Yeah. Or between the self God created and the self you made up in separation from the self that God created. So we've we've all done some amount of 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 the second, you know, of the ego in separation from our our God self. We've all done some of that. So the course is basically removing or undoing that self we made up, and that's also a cause and effect. You know, a miracle is a cause and effect. Miracle really is a correction. Forgiveness is a correction. It's like when you're saying, oh, I made a mistake and I have to correct myself. Oh, I made this self up that uh, I miscreated with my ego and now I have to undo it and get aligned with my God-created self so that my creations are true. You know, they're not, they're not miscreations. They're aligned with the divine will, right? They're aligned with the divine cause and effect. Mm. And that's what he said. God is the cause and the sun is the effect, right? But if you're in that vibration of that creation, then you're going you're gonna to create, you're going to cause things to be effects that are aligned with that original divine creation, you know? But we've we've somehow broken the 
lineage, you know, we've broken the chain of that, and that's why we have to restore it. It has already been said that you believe you cannot control fear because you yourself made it, and you believe, and your belief in it seems to render it out of your control. Yet any attempt to resolve the error through attempting the mastery of fear is useless. In fact, it asserts the power of fear by the very assumption that it need be mastered. The true resolution rests entirely on mastery through love. In the interim, however, the sense of conflict is inevitable since you have placed yourself in a position where you believe in the power of what does not exist. Yeah, so... um, We believe in the power of the fear. Yeah, so we can't master fear. Attempting to master it is useless. Um... If we're if we're trying to master it, it just makes it more strong. So I think you have to just trade it in for love as the answer. Yeah. Instead well, of trying to master fear. Well, yes. Okay. Maybe. So it's saying you need to master love. Mm-hmm. Well, it'd be that prayer: perfect love casts out fear. Mm-hmm. If yeah. fear exists, then there's not perfect love. But only perfect love exists. If there is fear, it produces a state that doesn't exist. Okay, so the difficulty is in seeing things that fear made up, like, I don't know, wars and sickness and illness and financial trouble and all that. We see those things, and it's very hard for us to say they don't exist. We might have a pain in our body, right? So fear made that stuff up. But now, what would, how would love respond to it? You know, love is not going to make it real. Not love is going to look on it silently and calmly and not propose a solution in that, oh, I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to do this. That's trying to master fear. That's what it's telling you not to do. Mm. Don't try to master it. Don't try to overcome it. Don't try to like master it in that way. Mm. It's through you seeing that it was made up by thoughts that are not real. That's how you you love the fear. It's almost like you have to love love the results the fear made in order to undo them. You can't fight against the fear that made them up in the first place. Or you can't try to master this fear. You have to you have to extend the love. You extend the love and that could be a silent for a while that could just be like a silent observation where you're not doing anything. You're just observing it. So here's quite a line, nothing and everything cannot coexist. <laughs> To believe in one is to deny the other. Fear is really nothing, and love is everything. Whenever light enters darkness, the darkness is abolished. What you believe is true for you. In this sense, the separation has occurred. To deny it is merely to use denial inappropriately. I don't understand that line. In this sense, the separation has occurred, and to deny it is merely to use denial inappropriately. 
However, to concentrate on error is only a further error. The initial corrective procedure is to recognize temporarily that there is a problem, but only as an indication that immediate correction is needed. This establishes a state of mind in which the atonement can be accepted without delay. It should be emphasized, however, that ultimately no compromise is possible between everything and nothing. Time is essentially a device which all compromise in this respect can be given up. It only seems to be abolished by degrees because time itself involves intervals that do not exist. Miscreation made this necessary as a corrective device. The statement, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life, needs only one slight correction to be meaningful in this context. He gave it to his only begotten son. I don't think I understood this paragraph. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave love to his only begotten son, which is everybody. Yeah. So there's no sacrifice. I mean, yes, Jesus is the son of God, but so are we. And Jesus was the one who mastered love. He never responded to fear. He never responded to miscreations. He only extended the will of God, the will of the creator. So all of his creations were love, period, the end. All right, so now, like this bit of the first part of the paragraph, it's like saying, saying that you are not separated when you've made up a separation would be the wrong use of denial. You have to admit that you made up a separation that caused you a lot of pain and suffering. And you have to look upon that and acknowledge it. But then the first thing you do when you see it is you invite the atonement in. You look immediately towards the atonement. We had something like this in a former uh, section where it said, you look on the defilement of the altar and then immediately look towards the atonement, which is also on the altar, right? Mm. So, so it's the same thing, a little different language. It's, it's like you've created fear out of separation and then all of its results, all of its wars, its conflicts, its suffering, its illnesses, its, you know, all of that, death even. You've, you've made that up with fear. All right, so that's the defilement of the altar. So you have to see, oh, I made up separation. And then look immediately towards the forgiveness, which is the atonement, to forgive yourself for doing that, for falling so deeply into that illusion. And then when you immediately look towards the atonement, then you're invoking the Christ and you're undoing it all. And then you're seeing the fear has no effect. Mm -hmm. You're responding to fear with love, not with trying to get over it, mm. trying to fix it, trying to 
wrestle with it. Yeah. Wrestle with the symptoms. Mm. You know, and that's what most people do. They get symptoms in their body, and then they wrestle with the symptoms, and then they take a medication, and then they do a this and that. And they never get to the root of the problem, which is their separation from their source. Okay, it should especially be noted that God has only one son. Yes, if right. If all his creations are his sons, every one must be an integral part of the whole sonship. The sonship in its oneness transcends the sum of its parts. However, this is obscured as long as any of its parts is missing. That is why the conflict cannot ultimately be resolved until all the parts of the sonship have returned. Only then can the meaning of wholeness in the true sense be understood. Any part of the sonship can believe in error or incompleteness if it so chooses. However, if he does so, he is believing in the existence of nothingness. The correction of this error is the atonement. Okay, well... Well, this, this is saying like, you know... What, when it says the conflict cannot ultimately be resolved until all the parts of the sonship have returned, well, how are we going to have that happen? Well, that may seem to take hmm, eons of time. Yeah. Uh, but you, you're, you cannot be concerned with what other people are going to do or get or understand. You have to get that you are the Son of God. You have to get that you're here to serve the awakening uh, of others as well. Like, okay, so we were awakened by relationships we had with spiritual masters, right? So if we didn't have those masters... You didn't have Babaji, I didn't have Tara Singh and Krishnamurti and Muniraj and Sastraji and all of that, right? And even Jesus in this lifetime as uh, the author of The Course in Miracles, it would be very hard for us to have awakened as much as we did, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's just say we're, we're awakened or we're mostly awakened. Well, then what is your next thing that you you give your energy to? Well, you give your energy to waking up other people. Mm. And it's a long chain of atonement. It's like a chain of, of atonement that, that just keeps extending, extending, extending to more and more of humanity, right? Until finally, humanity is awakened into at least seeing their wholeness, at least seeing like, if I... If I hurt someone over here, or if I wage war on somebody over here, it's like waging war on myself because we're not separated. Mm. We have to at least get to that point, okay. you know? And so we have a mission. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's a good reason to have uh, the philosophy of physical immortality, that this mission may take some time and we want to stick around for it. You know, and so therefore we don't want to be subject to, you know, a shelf life of the body because we need our tool of the body to, to communicate these things. I have already briefly spoken about readiness, but some additional points might be helpful here. 
Readiness is the only prerequisite for accomplishment. The two should not be confused. As soon as a state of readiness occurs, there is usually some degree of desire to accomplish, but it is by no means necessarily undivided. The state does not imply more than a potential for a change of mind. Confidence cannot develop fully until mastery has been accomplished. We have already attempted to correct the fundamental error that fear can be mastered and have emphasized that the only real mastery is through love. Readiness is only the beginning of confidence. You may think this implies that an enormous amount of time is necessary between readiness and mastery, but let me remind you that time and space are under my control. Yeah, okay. So, so then the readiness should only be, are we ready to receive the full power of the Christ coming into us? Mm-hmm. Most of us aren't ready. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't don't even know that that's the thing that's necessary. Mm. So we go on and on with our distractions. We go on and on with our um, learning, doing this, doing that. We take another course. We go on another trip. We don't God, blah, 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 blah. But we avoid that inner awakening that takes so much energy to give to that. You've got to give your whole self to that. I give my life to God to guide today. Now, that doesn't, what do you think that is? You think like 50% of your life, 60% of your life, 70% of your life? What, what do people have to give? Mostly a small percentage of what they could be giving. Maybe they're only giving 5%. Maybe, and maybe zero. <laughs> oh my God. You know, it's like when the Course says, well, I don't, don't talk to me about 90% forgiveness. Yeah. It's none at all. Unless you're totally with it. Total forgiveness. You've accepted the atonement for yourself. You're not holding any grievance towards anyone about anything. Then let's come back and talk about forgiveness I if you've it, mastered I, I it. I think it says if you're not 100%, you haven't forgiven Okay, at all. well, yeah. same with this. I give my life to God to guide today. Yeah. If you haven't given 100%, then you're not doing it. Okay. You're being guided by the ego. Mm. It's that part of you that you're withholding mm. is the ego, and it's ruling your life. It's ruling your life. Not just sometimes, mm. but all the time. And then you've got this little satchel packed under your arm called A Course in Miracles. And you think you're safe because you're studying it. Well, okay, but you're not applying it Mm. fully. So let's not fool ourselves. The cause and effect, which is what we just read about, You're either in the cause of God, whose effect is the sun, which he said, right? 
the cause, the real cause is God and the effect is the sun and you're in total alignment with that creation or you're with the self you made up that believes in fear. There's no two, you're either one or the other. You're either totally with one or you're totally with the other. Mm. And you may think you're with the first, but if you're not fully there, you're with the second. Mm. And this is where most people fall short. You know, they construct a spiritual ego and they think that they're doing something when they're really not doing anything. Mm. They haven't undone anything, really. Okay, maybe that's enough for now. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but we all have this challenge. Mm -hmm. You know, Tarji used to call it partial attention mm -hmm. is meaningless. Full attention is the only thing that's going to get you liberated. And if you're, wanna, if you're fine with the partial, then you go on and on, lifetime after lifetime, coming back, struggling again, saying you want to be spiritual, blah, blah, blah not having really anything to give, and you don't make it. So who has a life to give to God today? Okay. And that would be the true cause and effect. God is the cause and his son is the effect. And we have to accept the whole atonement for ourselves, not just partially. Partial atonement doesn't mean anything. How do we know we're doing that? Well, I mean, everything else would be undone in our life. Wow. We would have no problems. Oh, okay. You know, Krishnamurti said there are no problems in life other than what the mind makes up. So if we're still making up problems, then we have not accepted the atonement oh. for ourselves. Okay, well, let's end on that statement. All right. Well, God bless you all. Wow.